Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, July 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The White House is considering a big move against TikTok. Netflix cautions investors that its subscriber lockdown bump is coming to an end, and federal authorities in the U.S. are investigating Wednesday's hack of Twitter. Plus, the FT's Madrid correspondent Daniel Dombey will walk us through how Spain is recovering from COVID-19 and why the country's economic prospects hinge on the proposed EU recovery package. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The White House is considering putting TikTok on a blacklist that would effectively stop Americans from using the popular video app. Specifically, sources told the FT that the White House is looking to place ByteDance, the Chinese parent company of TikTok, on the Commerce Department's entity list. It's one option being considered to prevent China from obtaining personal data through the platform. It would make it hard for U.S. companies to provide technology, such as software, to TikTok, which means Apple and other app stores couldn't provide software updates over their platforms. Last year, the U.S. put Chinese telecoms company Huawei on the entity list, the U.S. accused the company of spying on behalf of Beijing. A senior U.S. official said that the administration knows that TikTok is very popular with the U.S. public. Because of its popularity, the White House is looking into whether it can allow Americans to use the video app. However, it would make sure that there were protections in place to prevent China from accessing private data. The official said the White House had made TikTok a priority and would reach a conclusion within a month. TikTok had not commented on the administration's plans at the time of this recording. It has, in the past, insisted that it does not have close ties with its Chinese parent company. Remember the Tiger King phase of lockdown way back in April? People were stuck at home to avoid the spread of coronavirus, and we all had a lot of time to stream content. Netflix really benefited from the lockdowns. During its earnings report yesterday, the streaming group said it added 10 million new subscribers between April and June. Netflix now claims 193 million subscribers around the world. Revenues in the quarter jumped 25% over the last year to a little more than a billion dollars, which met analyst forecasts. But the company added that subscriber growth would slow in the upcoming months. Netflix forecasts that it would only add 2.5 million more subscribers between July and September. It would be its weakest numbers in years. Netflix shares dropped almost 10% in after-hours trading on the news. And Netflix said it was making a personnel move, too. The company promoted Ted Sarandos to co-chief executive alongside Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings. Mr. Hastings said he didn't expect the move to change what's going on day-to-day at the company. And now another look at Wednesday's massive hack of Twitter where hundreds of accounts, from those of Barack Obama to Elon Musk, were hijacked in a scam to solicit Bitcoin. Now the FBI and New York State have launched investigations into the hack. Hundreds of people were tricked into sending more than $100,000 in Bitcoin. A spokesperson at the FBI's San Francisco division confirmed that the agency was investigating the hack. On the New York side, Governor Andrew Cuomo said the investigation would go through the state's Department of Financial Services and, his words, any other relevant state agency. Twitter is now facing questions over how attackers were able to control the accounts. Plus, people are wondering whether other data, such as users' personal messages, were accessed. Twitter had an update on the hack yesterday. It said that it had no evidence that attackers accessed passwords. But the company would not say whether employees or contractors were tricked into handing over access to the administrative systems or if they cooperated with hackers. 
The FT spoke to two former employees on the condition of anonymity. They said that hundreds of people within the company had access to the admin tools. Twitter refused to comment. And here's a story you should know more about. Today, EU leaders will gather at a critical summit in Brussels to discuss the bloc's budget that will start next year and run through 2027. As part of the summit, nations will likely have difficult discussions over a 750 billion euro economic recovery package. Frugal countries, such as the Netherlands, have come into the meeting asking for the size of the package to be cut. But the European countries hit hardest by coronavirus are fighting for the package. Spain has recorded more than 40,000 excess deaths since the country was first hit. It's also facing some of the worst unemployment prospects of any other member state. Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez argues the fund is essential not only for Spain's own recovery efforts, but also for the well-being of Europe as a whole. Our Madrid correspondent, Daniel Dombey, has more. When you look at forecasts by the OECD, you can see that Spain, which had a big problem with unemployment going into this crisis, is probably going to be the country worst hit in terms of jobs, for example, throughout this year and next. They're predicting that, you know, unemployment could go from about 14% just before the crisis to as high as 25.5% this year if there's a second wave, and still stay as high as 20% right at the end of 2021. Dan, has there been any signs of recovery in Spain just yet, either from its own efforts or from the help of the European Central Bank? Well, I think that you need to kind of take a step back. With this crisis, very early on, to be absolutely honest, in mid-March, the ECB announced this enormous 750 billion bond buying program, uh, and that's helped countries like Spain. And then also there are programs which are EU in inspiration and part funded by the EU, like these temporary leave schemes. And those have been tremendously important in Spain. And there, there is some good news. There's quite a lot of good news. They had an emergency furlough scheme where over 3 million people, rather than being sacked, were placed on this furlough scheme with the government paying 70% of their salaries. And of those 3 million people who were in the schemes at their height, Something like 1.8 million, so about 60%, have now returned to their jobs. So that's a good sign. That is a sign that the economy is getting back. But of course, we don't know. And because we don't know, Spain's prime minister is, is calling for help from the EU. On the table, there's this 750 billion euro recovery proposal that, if approved, would help some of the hardest hit countries, in, including Spain. What is Mr. Sanchez's argument for help here? Sanchez makes an argument which is quite a broad and powerful argument. And Sanchez's argument is basically, you know what, last time we screwed up. He says that the uh, EU really didn't handle the financial crisis well, that we had austerity too soon, that interest rates went up too soon, that unemployment went up too soon, and that Europe needs to learn those lessons and have a more expansive, a more generous you know, a more state-centered response to the crisis this time round. If you look at the fact that the EU came out of the financial crisis in much worse shape than the US and has lagged behind the US in many ways since, that I think is one of the main arguments why Sanchez says, you know what, we have to respond in a more generous way. We have to kind of, you know, be careful of making mistakes of the past. Now, when we talk about the 750 billion euro proposed package, there's a big argument about how these funds will get distributed. The so-called frugal four, the Netherlands, Sweden, Denmark, and Austria, they want the money to be distributed as loans. They want the money paid back. But Spain and other hard-hit countries argue for grants. 
Where do you see this debate going? I think there's two basic issues, right? One is this crisis is a huge hit to lots of countries' balance sheets. Spain had debt which was less than 100% of GDP going into this crisis. It could very easily be 120% this year and maybe close to 125% next year. So that's a big, big change to the country's debt profile. And they don't want more of that. They really don't want more of that because there are countries in this world, the Japan, the Germany, the US's that can stack up debt and, you know, barely bat an eyelid. But countries like Spain, such as like Italy, countries like Greece, they're not those countries. So that's one thing. However, there is a counter-argument, which I think you alluded to, which is, you know, you have a frugal four and they say, look, you know what? Money doesn't buy you love and money doesn't get you out of jail in terms of if you've got structural problems with your economy. You've got to remember that there's a very strong populist strain of thought in countries like Germany, in countries like the Netherlands, which are very, very resistant to giving more money to the South after feeling that they've done this for 30 or 40 years. Angela Merkel in Germany has had a big change of heart. But other countries, there's probably going to be a deal. There probably are going to be grants, but there are probably going to be countries that aren't particularly happy about this either. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasek, and we had help from Gavin Kalman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.